the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. You ever um, know someone, usually this this happens to me sometimes, maybe because I'm such a fan of eulogies and stuff, although obviously regret the incidents for them, but... I've been to a few funerals where um, after hearing everything about the person that I also knew, I I thought to myself, I want to be more like that. I want to be more like that person. Maybe that's a good way to honor their memory is to try and embrace some of their traits. Herman Cain was one of those kinds of people. Though I wasn't at his funeral, I got to know him quite a bit. And um, he's just his was the kind of life and character you just you wanted to emulate. And there's this great movie, Poor to CEO, the Herman Cain story. It's that type of movie because he's that type of man. It's available at SalemNow.com. He was the former CEO of Godfather's Pizza, battled and beat cancer with cheer. He was a talk radio host. He ran for president. He really was an amazing man, and his life embodied all the values we esteem. Belief in God, power of personal responsibility, hard work, good education, having a thankful heart. Porta CEO is one of the most inspirational, entertaining films of the year. And you can watch it right now at SalemNow.com. That's at SalemNow.com. Use the promo code PHOENIX and save 20%. Porta CEO, the Herman Cain story at SalemNow.com. It's the kind of thing you want more people to know someone you knew. You ever think about that? Oh, you're, here's someone you should know. Here's a, he's a great guy, great gal, someone you should meet. Not a lot of us get documentaries about ourselves or those people, but this is one of them. This will be good. Rob is in surprise. Rob, how are you? I'm fine, Seth, and I'm hoping that you're not talking about me with the documentary about me because I have nothing to be I'll, I'll tell you something. You know, you're a very unique person and you've accomplished a lot. I know a bit of your story. Um, and thank you. This is as good a time as any to thank you for your service in our military. But I will tell you something, um, the smallest part of your life story that you may not know that I know because it's true for me. I don't know anyone other than you named Rob. <laughs> Or who calls themselves? I know a lot of Roberts and so forth, but Rob. I don't know anyone else named who goes by Rob. Well, the reason I do, Seth, it's okay. We don't need to know. Yeah, I'm a junior, and my dad was Robert C. Hanson Senior, and so he went by Bob, and I wanted to be Rob because it wasn't my dad's name. Rob is not junior to Bob. Bob is junior to Rob. Well, but Bob was my dad's name. I understand. (laughs) I understand. That's the problem. That's the problem. Bob is less formal than Rob. Well, well, I thought that You may want to think about this. I do have to think about this. Now you're making me think about this. Yeah, anyway, that's Um, not why you called. It's frightening. 
Well, well, first of all, I, I compliment you guys on your push-up contest. You know, for 20 years, we had to do every six months a physical fitness test, even in the Navy, which is not known other than the SEALs. For you the know, there's a real crisis fitness. with that right now. There's a huge recruiting oh, crisis in physical and mental health fitness. Yes, there are. 70% there are or more now, 70% yeah. or more of eligible by age military recruits are ineligible because of physical fitness problems. Isn't that scary? and drug use? Well, yeah, there's that. We are we part of it is obesity. A big part of it is obesity, and and yeah. what's interesting is obesity is 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 a big health problem in this country. That for oh, some yeah. reason a lot of people have you know been shamed into not talking about or feel badly talking about. We're just are you seeing just beginning to get a little bit of discussion about this now? Just a little bit now. Yeah, but it, it's but it's a hard. It's it, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. It's a big well, part no, of the COVID I mean, problem, by the way. Well, yeah, which is kind of why I called. Oh, okay. Um, part of the, part of that is because you know we're we're part of that big gulp generation where you know people go out and work and then they uh, kind of stuff themselves with things that aren't very nutritious or good. For yeah, them. but you and I and aren't so, part of that generation. That's a well, generation below us, isn't it? I, I think so. Yeah, um, it wasn't but, us. They, but, we didn't have eighty thousand ounce drinks when you and I were kids. No, I couldn't. I couldn't drink it. Those, no, those things uh, when they came out. Three of cheeseburger specials, you know, yeah. supersize I mean, the fries. That wasn't part of our growing up. No, I mean we we get like a cheeseburger and fries, and you know, if we were lucky, if we were lucky. <laughs> In fact, but, we um, we we could have it if like we were, you know, if we hurt ourselves, it was kind of a treat. Well, I'll take you to McDonald's. Well, yeah. You'll feel better, you know. Yeah, or or you know, we'd hurt ourselves over, say, Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner, but that was sort of expected and socially acceptable at the time, where you'd have to like loosen your belt, I guess, or your uncle or your grandfather had to loosen their jo- belt. Joey just put on yeah. sweatpants because because yeah, well, they had give. Know, it's funny you mentioned that. They had Mr. give. Rob just mentioned yeah. that right now, as a matter of fact. And oh, by the way, I'm wearing sweatpants right now because we're sitting outside. Um, I'm not a I'm fan. Mention, I, I'm not a fan. Yeah. I will tell you, it says to the world you've given up. Well, no, it, it also says to the world that you're, uh, you know. It a, says a to the world rat. you can't compete. You've given well, up. Well, except my, my sweatpants say world gym, okay? <laughs> okay, <laughs> and, all right, fair and enough. And Mrs. Rob's sweatpants say United States Naval Academy. Yeah, okay, okay? all right, I defer. <laughs> I defer. Okay, that's that's yeah, no, that's good. Okay. Anyway, on the yes, push-up sir. thing, I was going to I was gonna say, uh, you know, because of our fitness thing, we would all sort of game the system and about two months beforehand start lifting weight. And with the chest, you know, we'd have to do so many push-ups, so many sit-ups, so many, oh, we'd have to run a mile and a half, I guess. In all, all of this in one day. So we would start with weight. A whole mile and a half in one day? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. He even, said with great sarcasm, 40s. dripping sarcasm. <laughs> well, yeah, but in, in your 40s and because... In uh, your 40s, no less. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's frightening. <laughs> the Navy really has some high standards here. <laughs> well, you don't have a lot of room to run around on a lot of Navy ships. But anyway, um, but we, we used weight training to get in shape, and that was part of the key about the whole push-up and sit-up well the sit-up thing you just had to do more sit-ups uh and other abdominal exercises and the run yeah you just have to keep running and just get the whole cardio thing going but the reason i was calling was a whole uh, mile and a half in your 40s goodness gracious oh i know 
it, it is frightening. Um, but I was never a marathon guy, and I was never built because I was not an. I'm not asking for 26 body. point. I'm not asking for 26 plus miles, 26.2. I'm not asking for that. Well, no, and nor should anybody, because that's just not a normal human physical fitness endeavor. Okay, this is not normal running 26 miles. Okay, or the triathlon thing. Anyway, my sister, who's 65 years old. Uh, found out yesterday she wasn't feeling good over the weekend, and she lives in Lake St. Louis, Missouri. She found out she was COVID positive. Now, now wait, t- all right, do this again. This is important. Say, give me this again. Start it over with okay. your. This is my your sister, sister. You said. Yeah. Okay. My sister, my younger sister. How old is? She's sixty-five. Okay. And she wasn't feeling so hot. Mostly just a headache and a little sore throat. Over the weekend, so on Tuesday, she got a COVID test, and she tested positive. Now, she doesn't live here, and and we were just talking to her for about 40 minutes uh, a couple hours ago, so I missed a little bit of your show. Where does she live? What state? Uh, Lake St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. About 40 miles west of St. Louis. Okay. And she has done, since March, all the right things. She's worn a mask. She's social distanced. She's uh, done... She wore goggles. She stayed away from, you know, people that might have been sick. And every time she went out, and she didn't really go out that much, um, she would still, you know, she did social distancing, wore a mask. Yeah, and she's got grandkids running around and everything and the kids that are in their 30s. But the point, I guess, is that, you know, and this probably got triggered by Doug Ducey's announcements about keeping with the masks and everything today. That um, she did everything right and still got COVID. And this, again, was triggered by listening to the Homans yesterday on your show. And I thought to myself, well, I need to call in, but I never was able to get through. But um, the the point, I guess, is that everything that everybody has been doing isn't going to work. The the virus is not going to go away. The the masks are ineffective. And people are going to get it. And I don't see the point in everything being locked down. I haven't for months. Uh, and I, I just thought that it was worth bringing up. It is. I'll tell you why it's worth bringing up. And, and, I, and I, this is not prescriptive at all. I don't want anyone to take this as prescriptive, just observational on my part. Mm-hmm. Because there is now a growing body of anecdotes about people who are scrupulous in observing um, – measures and observing anti-COVID measures for themselves who are getting it. Um, let, yeah. me, let me. This is an important point, and I don't want it to be misunderstood. Hold the line. We'll, we'll be right back. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Rob, in surprise, um, we're talking about his well the virus and his sister who rob just correct me if i get this wrong but basically did everything fairly scrupulously in 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 mitigation efforts distancing masking that sort of thing and got the virus yes yeah exactly and she doesn't even know how she got right how she got it picked up from um it's all just a big mystery and i'm thinking to myself well again this goes back from the very beginning that we have a virus just like the flu, except, yeah, parts of it are worse, and there are certain demographics that are, you know, having a big problem with it. But at the same time, um, you can't 
get rid of a virus. And I think that's one of the problems both the media and the politicians have been uh, ignoring. It's, it's a huge it's problem, a, and, and lawyers yeah. may, may, may understand the term redressability, but it has to do with the solution to matching – the solution you seek mm-hmm. matching the problem that you have in equity law. My point is this. I am seeing more and more stories now like that, people who have been mm-hmm. scrupulous, um, scrupulously careful getting it. Um, I, I, did you hear the Juan Williams story I, I, I was reading the other day? He 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 got it. You know the Fox News contributor, um, right? And he wrote he wrote his story up uh, in the Hill. I think it's available in the Hill. He says, as a sixty six year old black man, um, I was very nervous about COVID, especially living as I do with a smoker. And I thought, well, first of all, who smokes anymore, and who smokes who's health conscious? And, and that—that's—it's a whole different point, I suppose. But that aside, uh-huh. he says in the art in his op-ed, he says he was scrupulous about all this stuff. He wore a mask mm-hmm. all the time. He got it, and uh, and uh, then his wife did, um, who he was worried about. They're both now fine, thank God. But, but. But I am seeing more and more stories of people are doing everything supposedly right and getting it. And my point is your point. But there's an added element to it, which is what are we doing to ourselves by failing to recognize your point? What we are doing to ourselves is going to have consequences that will long outlast the mortality of this virus. They really will. I mean, the way we're closing down, New York City losing 300,000 jobs because of the restaurant shutdown. Now, by the way, they do this contact tracing to restaurants. They find restaurants are less than 2% of the vector of cases. So they go after restaurants. There is no no connection here between the policy and the desired solution. Um, I would think at this point... People would be fairly well enough educated to understand what risks they're willing to take to engage in what behaviors and that going out to eat isn't the biggest of problems here. No, it's not. It's, in fact, one of the smallest of problems. What turns out to be a problem is inactivity. I mean, there's a lot, and I'm not a doctor. I'll have the doctor in tomorrow. One of you suggested I have Zudi back in. He'll be back in tomorrow on this, and we'll go over it. But what I have noticed anecdotally from re- my own research and from the people I see who get it and have hard and bad consequences, the people who get it and don't, turns out what matters ends up being fairly commonsensical. You know, eating, not being obese, staying in relatively good shape, and understanding that the mask is not going to save you. That's right. And, and really, that's one of the biggest things I wish that those in charge who impose these restrictions on people really and truly understood. I I don't know, but I suspect, and again, I've I've had a theory that the wrong people have been in charge for far too long. Yeah, I mean, look at the states with heavier lockdowns, shutdowns, masking policies, and not, and the caseload makes no distinction. No, it doesn't. And and so you would think they would... Ohio has one of the strongest shutdowns. The governor reissued a more stringent mask policy... And Geraldo mm-hmm. Rivera is shouting, wear the damn mask in Ohio. Because, why did he reissue right. it? Because the cases were spiking with the t- one of the tougher mask, mask mandates. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and that's the point, too. I mean, people have been wearing masks for six, seven, eight months. and all 90% plus compliance. 94% well, yeah. plus compliance in, in the big and, states. And yet, and okay, cases go up, and yet people wear masks. So what is that telling people, those who are out there that have any common sense at all? I'll tell you what it's telling Yeah, t- it's not helping. Well, I'll tell you another thing. <laughs> It's leading to mistrust of, 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 of our authorities, of our institutions, and our experts. Well, and I think we've been there for quite a while. We are, but this is that. really instantiating it to a level that we don't want because, I mean, you know, there are going to be serious health problems or serious crises yeah. in this country, and it's important that we trust leadership. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's where, again— To save know, us, not to panic us. Well, that's right, and, and again, our American skepticism— I think it's sort of kicked in to a great degree because I don't think there's a lot of trust in any institutions anymore. Nope. Which goes back to, you know, we were talking, you were, you were talking earlier about, you know, Pete Buttigieg, Secretary of yeah. Transportation. Yeah. Um, we, we think, and, and again, you know, Biden's going to appoint whoever he appoints and political appointees come and go, as you know, and he may or may not make a difference and he may or may not be qualified. But I think we're, we're kind of missing the larger point that, um, the, those appointees will be in office for however long, but the civil servants who work there come and go, and nobody's going to shrink the Department of Transportation. In fact, I would expect it to grow more like every other uh, <laughs> I would too. And agency. I would and, too. And I think that's, that's going to happen. Um, the only other thing that I had to mention had to do with um, – I heard Victor Davis Hanson talk about uh, with uh, Sebastian Gorka today about this um, institutional – or um, there's apparently racism now in law schools where the law schools are now worried that uh, the Constitution is you know written by old white guys. Yeah. And so all the laws now are racist because uh, everything's based on our Constitution. And so now we have to look at laws based on uh, old white guy racism. And so every single case that's going to come up in law, and this is being taught apparently in law school, is now going to be... Uh, judged individually based on race or gender, and it's all just going to fall So if apart. Louis Farrakhan and writes a law, it's inherently good. Mm-hmm. But if, um, I don't know, uh, John Kyle or John Shattuck or Andy Biggs writes a law, or for that matter, Joe Lieberman or Joe Biden, it's inherently bad. Right. Okay. Right. All right. These yeah, law schools, scary. these law schools that are admitting to this, having taught this racist law for so many years, they ought to shut down. Yeah. They ought to shut down over embarrassment for teaching racism. Absolutely. And again, we talk a lot about, you know, K through 12 and the university and their bias. But now, you know, it just triggered me like, God, lost. Hey, hey, Rob, I, I have a trivia question for you. Who sold yes, more sir. albums, Rush or the Steve Miller Band? I would suspect the Steve Miller Band, even though I prefer Rush, personally. Who and sold Steve more Miller albums, the uh, Steve Miller Band or Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band? Uh, Bob Seger. Who sold more albums, Neil Diamond or Barry Manilow? Oh, boy, that's a, that is a tough one because they're both kind of similar. I would say Barry Man- or Neil Diamond. Yeah. You were right on all three. You nailed each and every one of those, Rob. You're going to become my new producer. Oh. We'll be right back.
Speaking of healthy, great way to stay healthy is with balance of nature. I take it every single day. It's all organic. The fruits and veggies are picked at the peak of their ripeness. It's, I think, the most effective whole food supplement on the market. Improves your energy, your health, boosts your immunity. It's really my favorite product. If I travel, it's the first thing I make sure and pack with me. And I, it's the first thing I take in the morning. It's just fabulous. I can't say enough about it. Ten servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables in one daily dose. And they have a great deal right now. Free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. 800-246-8751 or visit them online at balanceofnature.com and use discount code BALANCE. Makes a great gift, too. Department of Corrections. Um, Bill maintains his job. Rob got two out of three. Right. So from the third best-selling album of all time, Bad Out of Hell, comes the song Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. So Rob wasn't bad, but Rush beat Steve Miller by not a, not a lot, by not a lot. So Rush sold more than Steve Miller. Bob Seger sold more than both of them. And uh, yeah, Neil Diamond sold more than Barry Manilow, not by a little. On the mask point, physician friend... Um, who has to remain nameless here, um, but is not a physician I have had on this show, if that helps, writes, masks are useless. I have seen multiple patients who have been very scrupulous about wearing masks, face shields, gloves, social distancing. They still get COVID-19. In my practice, small family practice of over 120 patients with COVID-19, ranging all ages, I have 0% mortality. Okay. Thank you, doctor. Thank you. All right. Did I cover my bases on all the corrections and stuff? Rick is in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hello there, Seth. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm calling for my weekly jolt of joy. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> I uh, enjoyed your show today. It's been great, and uh, I, I'm just uh, calling with a with a quick call, uh, uh, thinking about your bumper music, Jolton uh, you know, Joe DiMaggio, yeah, Mrs. Robinson. You you use the word Jolton Joe, right? <laughs> That's right. You know, one of your earlier callers uh, mentioned your terrific bumper music, and. And lots of folks have, and deservedly so. You know, I think you have some of the best in the. Not some the of, radio. not some of the best. Okay, it's not some of the best. The best. Yeah. The best. Why, why is everyone afraid to well, just say it? It's well, the best. It's, all, it's almost the best, but you haven't heard my suggestion yet, so maybe it'll get there. Okay. <laughs> so what I'm calling about, Seth, is that in your bumper rotation, I don't ever remember hearing. Our local rock legend, Alice Cooper. And I'm thinking that of all the bumper music, with this year the culture we have, and next year the culture, um, the, the, the mess coming up, that Welcome to My Nightmare would be like at the top of the list. Interesting. Interesting. Well, there's a lot we could use. School's out forever. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Uh-huh. 
There's a lot of his stuff we could probably use. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll take it to a committee meeting. We'll we'll cogitate on it, and we'll write some memos to one another. Okay. Take it under. And advice. if anyone, uh, if he's in the if he's in the listening audience and wants to put in a special plea, I'd more than welcome and love to hear from him. <laughs> okay. He's by all accounts that I know a really great guy. Really great guy. Yeah, that's. That's what I've, I've only I, I've went to one of his shows once in high school, yeah. and I served him once as a waiter, but I didn't wow. say anything to him. I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't yeah. say anything. I, I I always feel that that puts someone What'd in an uncomfortable position. It's a long time ago. It's a okay. long time ago. Okay. okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's not an I, answer. I've, I know that was a device. I know that was not a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to one, but from what I've seen like on videos and what they're they're pretty they were pretty crazy i guess but. i'm trying to remember it as i as 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 the mystic chords of memory start playing in my head <laughs> rick thank you god bless you 602-508-0960 be right back Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If you're thinking of selling your house, if you're in the midst of selling your house and it's not going well, if you're thinking of buying a house, James Wexler of JMG Real Estate is the agent for you. He has a proprietary state-of-the-art marketing technology if you're selling. He has a private database of homes that will soon be going on the market if you're interested in buying. He will guarantee to sell your home at market value or pay the difference. He can also make you upfront guaranteed offer on your home within a day of reaching out to him, if that helps. He's great. I know friends who have used him. They love him, too. Give James Wexler a call at 480-386-0711 or visit him online at jameswexler.com. That's James Wexler, W-E-X-L-E-R.com. I have a new expression here for you, Bill. This is this is something you'll like. I'm seeing someone on Twitter replying to someone else, and you know what? They're saying, someone said, are you sure? And they wrote, I'm COVID survival rate, sure, 99.9%. Can we use that phrase here from now? COVID survival rate, sure. Okay, I like that. Hi, Dana. Dana's in Chandler. Welcome. Hi, Seth. How are you? How's it going today? I'm doing just fine. How are you? We're great. Everybody's great here. Um, You know how they always say those are commercials for, you know, if you see something, say something? Yeah, I know they don't mean it, but yeah. Well, right. Well, yeah. Okay. So, but I saw something today, and I, I have to say, all right, good. We it. mean it. We I'm take it seriously here at the Seth Leibson Show. Yes. Okay. Right. So we have crappy mail service. We're in between mailmen, and I know a lot of people don't get excited about mailmen, but they actually do play a role in your everyday life. And when it's disrupted, it's kind of annoying. So we we have bad mail service. I don't normally get mail till like five o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. six o'clock, sometimes yep. never. Wow. Um. So I was driving home today from the grocery store, and it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the mailman was at the mailbox. But not only was he at the mailboxes, here's here's the where I got to say something. He was delivering mail out of a U-Haul van. Huh. Like, it splattered all over the side of the van, U-Haul. Huh. It was, it was. 
Very odd. I that, mean, it was that's so odd really that it was early that it took me by surprise that the U-Haul wasn't even that weird. It's not the first time that's happened, you know. There is an episode of Seinfeld where Newman, who is a mailman, well, I guess he uses his postal de- delivery truck. I guess he didn't rent a U-Haul. When I, you control the mail, you control information yeah there was an episode of seinfeld <laughs> where he took his truck across state lines i guess it wasn't a u-haul maybe it is the first i wonder what that's about have you called anyone about it well no because i'm i it's been taking me a while to digest if it's weird because you know at first i thought oh well you know maybe they just their truck broke down and they rented one and i thought what a u-haul wait a minute yeah. That doesn't make sense. I was just so surprised that the mail had come early that like, I couldn't get past that to get to the U-Haul part. So I put mailman uses U-Haul into the search machine, and it looks like this is not a, a lone event. This is not a one-off. Um, well, that makes me feel better. It says sometimes rental vans are used if an office is short on mail trucks. UPS and FedEx rent them during exceptionally busy times, too. Oh, I bet that's what it is. I bet it's Christmas mail type stuff. I bet that's what it is. Bet, I bet they're over overloaded with mail. That's my guess. Or trucks. Uh, I, or under, under, I don't know, something. Under, so, I don't know. So it's even more surprising that he was an hour early. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Maybe the U-Haul <laughs> trucks drive faster. Maybe, I wonder if the mail trucks have a, you know, if they're like, go-karts where you can only go so fast they limit your speed you have to have a governor on them i got a well it's a federal issue no 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 if the the truck has a governor on. oh yeah 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 oh i thought you said i should have the governor on on it yeah no if (laughs) yeah no no it's it's (laughs) if yeah i I wonder if it does and maybe u-haul gets you there maybe it goes faster than u-haul maybe I don't well, know. Well, but then U-Hauls have governors on them, so you can't go beyond a certain speed. U-Hauls do, too. I have a great yeah. relationship with my mailman. We're on a first-name basis. We usually greet each other. I see him when he comes. He's a really pleasant guy. It's a different experience than you've had. But you know what I'll do? Because of that wonderful experience, I will ask him your question when I see him tomorrow. Oh, good. That yeah. That would be great. Let yeah. us know tomorrow on I'll the I'll say, air. hey, question. He'll say, yes, Seth, how can I help you? Yeah, I'll, yeah, okay, I'll find out. We'll, we'll, we answer all questions. When I was a kid, there were these great books. Do you remember? Maybe not, because I think they were more, more for boys. There were these books called Encyclopedia Brown, the Encyclopedia Brown story, uh, series. He was a private yeah. investigator yeah. at like age 13 or something. And uh, I, I think his nemesis was Jupiter or something like that. Anyway, um, he had his motto was no case too small. No case too like small. That. That's kind of that's kind of my view here. No issue too big or small. No issue too big or small. I'll find out from my well, my. Uh, to your I'll find out. I'll find out from my mailman what's up when I see him tomorrow. Cool. And Thank the, you. And then we will report it. Yes. Always happy to help. That's what we're here for. We're we're givers that way. What else is on your mind, Dana? Is that it? That was it. Okay. We'll investigate it. Maybe that's what I wonder if that book being raised on that series. Did you have those, Bill? Encyclopedia Browns? They're great. You may want them for the youngins. Um, And I wonder if that's what gave me my interest in 
in Magnum P.I. later in life. I wonder if that was that imprinting. It could be. I venture to say I know more about Magnum P.I. than anyone else behind a microphone in America. I think I do. I think I do. And I, it probably came from the childhood interest of Encyclopedia Brown. That probably inspired it. All right. Thank you. Um, that was great, Dana. Always good to hear from you. We'll be right back. Welcome back, and thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. We plowed through a lot today, um, and I want to remind people, if you missed my monologue, you can get it at YouTube. Just go to 960 The Patriot in the YouTube search window. Hit subscribe. It's free, and uh, you can get them. It's kind of the one I did today I think was extra important. I'll close with something we haven't done in a while. I think it's important for perspective and for all of us to remember. Alexander Hamilton in the first Federalist one of my favorite things written around our founding, that we are here, he says in 1787, to decide the important question whether societies of men are really capable or not of establishing good government from reflection and choice or whether they are forever destined to depend for their political constitutions on accident and force. Accident and force. Let's think about that. If there be any truth in the remark, the crisis at which we are arrived may with propriety be regarded as the era in which that decision is to be made. And a wrong election of the part we shall act may in this view deserve to be considered as the general misfortune of mankind. Let's think about that. The idea will add the inducements of philanthropy to those of patriotism to heighten the solicitude which all considerate and good men must feel for the event. Happy will it be if our choice should be directed by a judicious estimate of true interests, unperplexed and unbiased by considerations not connected with the public good. I, um, I think that would be a great assignment for eighth grade civics students or high school civics students. Just give them that passage and tell them what it means to them. They really ought to be familiar with it or think about it for the first time as should we think about it again as well. Thanks for being part of the show today. Until tomorrow, God bless you and class dismissed.